Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Well, we started a new series this morning. We just ended our climate change series, and I'm still not away from it. I, I was driving down Northwest Expressway this morning and noticed there's a, over by Johnny's, I guess it's by Johnny's, there's one of those storage units, and on the sign it said, Tis the season, climate control. And I said, man, they even preaching at storage places. I, I, I don't understand, so I'm all messed up, but uh, uh, just pray for me. I can figure out where all this is going with this climate change stuff. I just can't seem to get away from it. I think the Lord's given me a couple opportunities in the coming weeks. Uh, next week, I want to invite you to make sure you're here. I, I think it'll happen in the first service, so maybe you won't see them. But next week, we have evangelism directors from all over the country will be here with us next Sunday. And I'll get a chance to minister with them on Sunday night. And I think I'm going to talk to them about, believe it or not, climate change. And, uh, and then in a couple of weeks, I get to go speak in Ada at a church, and I might just have to preach on climate change. I don't know. I just can't, can't get away from it. But we're, we're supposed to be done with that, but this morning's message does tie in. I have learned um, that there are certain things that do not go together. Some of it I learned in school. Other things I just learned from personal observation. So let me give you some examples. I have learned that oil and water do not mix. I learned that in school. Uh, If you've ever gotten water in your engine of your car, you recognize that oil and water do not mix. Uh, I I have observed, this is just, now y'all don't have to believe this, but I have observed that uh, something that does does not go together is 26 inch rims on a $500 car. Just doesn't, I just doesn't go together. I'll never understand that when the rims cost more than the entire car uh, two or three times over. It just doesn't fit. I, I, I recognize that vegetables and my plate do not go together. It doesn't matter. You can try to bribe me. just not going to happen. They just don't go together. Um, I, I've noticed that skinny jeans and about 99.9% of the people trying to wear them just don't go together. I mean, get a friend and uh, entitle them to be honest. Find somebody that will tell you the truth when you ask, does it look good? When they say no, believe them. They're not lying. Okay, skinny jeans. Just I, I've noticed that uh, bondage on a believer who is supposed to be free just doesn't go together. I've noticed that prejudice and anger on one who is supposed to be known and identifiable by love just don't go together. And at least in the modern version of what we call church, I've noticed that the church talking about money just doesn't seem to go together. But the odd thing about that is that when we arrive at church, what at least in my experience and and talking to most of you and knowing most of you, uh, when we arrive at church, we want life direction. It's not that we're just coming to buy time. We literally want God to speak to us and give us life direction. And we want supernatural response in all the important areas of life. God, please respond on my behalf and teach me to have how to have healthy relationships. Give me direction on about how to be successful in life. We want God to supernaturally respond to all that. But for some reason, we just don't want to hear God or 
want the church to deal with the topic of money. So, here's what we do. Teach me how to live. Teach me how to overcome. Teach me how to win. Teach me how to be successful. But then I'm going to get nervous. And even in some cases, I'll get angry if somebody stands up in a pulpit and takes on the issue of money. The, the odd thing about that is that I also have observed that the number one reason for divorce in America is tied back to arguments that stem from money issues. That's, that's the problem. You can tie it back to that. And, and, and not only that, if the truth be told, if I, if I handed the microphone and we went around and you were honest, you'd have to be honest now. You couldn't lie and you couldn't put on the, 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 the facade that we put on. If, if you would tell the truth, we would most of us be honest enough to say that we're struggling and we're afraid and we're stressed out right now in life because of money. Issues with money. How am I going to make ends meet? How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to buy that new car I, need, I, I, I want? I mean, I need. Uh, okay. And I understand that what takes place is we don't want the church to address the money issues because the church has brought a lot of that on itself because there are preachers around that will stand up and say some stupid stuff. Like, if you'll give me $50, if every one of you would give me $50 right now, I tell you from the authority of God's Word that by 3 o'clock, uh, you'll be a brand new Cadillac. Uh, and you get home and you've given your $50 and there's still the beat-up Nissan you've been driving for 20 years. And so we go, you know what? I don't want to hear the church talk about money. But what we do is we take all that crazy stuff and we allow it to disqualify the church from talking about an issue that is so crucial. And if we were honest, the reason we do that, and there is some crazy stuff out there, but the reason we do that is because we struggle to allow God to speak to us about money. Isn't it crazy that we will allow pride to rise up in an area where we're losing? Isn't that crazy? I mean, if, if we did a survey, most of you would probably say, I'm losing when it comes to finances. And yet we allow pride to rise up and resentment to rise up. And so we say, I don't want to hear about it. And, and, and I'm losing. It, it, we will allow the God who owns everything and has the provision of all the universe to teach us how to keep... And deal with the area that we keep messing up on our own. It'd be one thing if we were great with money. <laughs> but reality is just the opposite. Most of us are not very good with money. And here's the problem. If you make... Now this isn't all your testimony, but this is some of you. It, as a combined household, if you make forty-four to $45,000 a year, there's a newsflash I need to give you. You're rich. You are rich. You go, well, I don't feel rich. Yeah, it's because you don't know how to handle what you've got. Because did you know that if you make forty-four dollars to $45,000 a year, that you are in the top 1% of all the earners in all the world? You say, you're rich. 
Your last name may not be Gates, but you're rich. And so if we're rich, then the dilemma becomes is that we don't know how to handle what God has given us and we struggle. And most of us are in debt up to our eyeballs. And what we're trying to do is we keep being determined to buy things that, uh, that we want to use to impress people that we don't even know and in some cases don't even like. And then, on top of all that, we don't want Jesus to say nothing about it. Okay, it's quiet in here. So here, here's what we're going to do. I know that the topic of money makes people nervous and angry. I also recognize that when Jesus was on this planet, walking this, this earth, that Jesus addressed finances twice as much as he addressed any other topic, including heaven and hell combined. So I know it's a crucial topic. I know it makes us nervous. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to help you right now. I'm going to help you. Are you ready? You'll thank me later. I'm going to help you. We are going to call this series Other People's Money. Okay, you'll thank me later. So, so, so what I'm going to do is, is I, I, I'm not even talking about you, your money. I'm talking about your neighbor's money. All right, so touch your neighbor right now and tell him, he's not even talking about my money, he's talking about your money. Come on, tell him. See, see, it'll help you relax. I'm not talking about your money. Let's get this straight. I am not talking about your money. Anything I say today that sounds harsh from the word, I'm not talking about your money. I'm talking about your neighbor's money. Now, don't you feel better? You can relax and enjoy because you're not really here for any reason other than to help your neighbor learn the lesson. In fact, let me just encourage you this morning, take really, really good notes so that if your neighbor misses something, when they start leaving, you can remind them what I said, okay? Because this is not about you. This is about your neighbor, your neighbor, okay? We're all together, okay? See, I see somebody just started relaxing because you just realized, Pastor's not talking about me. He's talking about you. All right. Okay, Randy Alcorn makes a statement that I think is uh, so significant. It has kind of stuck into my spirit and I can't get away from it. He said this, Our hymn books say a lot about following Jesus. Our pocketbooks say even more. He goes on and he says this, he says, What does it mean when God has entrusted Christians with greater wealth than all of human history, yet many are giving less to kingdom purposes than ever before? Surely it means we are following our culture, not our Christ. So in other words, what that means then is if I want my neighbor to follow Christ and not culture and to truly be a disciple, then my neighbor has to be willing to follow him in every area of their life, including money. So if your neighbor is going to make this climate change in their life, and adjust their approach to money, and find freedom in every area of their life, then we, I mean they, just get that right, they, they, because I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about your neighbor, they must learn how to handle money. Okay. So, we're praying for our neighbors today. We want our neighbors to get this right. So join me in a very familiar passage of Scripture, and I want you to listen to it as if you've never heard it before. It's in Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 41. We're going to read through verse 44. Listen to this encounter, this, this thing that happens in Jesus' life. Sitting across from the offering box, he, being Jesus, was observing how the crowd tossed money in for the collection. 
Many of the rich were making large contributions. And one poor widow came up and put in two small coins, a measly two cents. And Jesus called his disciples over and said, The truth is that this poor widow gave more to the collection than all the others put together. All the others gave what they'll never miss. She gave extravagantly and she, what she could not afford. She gave her all. A couple lessons that your neighbor needs to learn this morning. Jesus uses this encounter. And through the example and through the model of what this little widow lady does, they, he establishes a different scale of measurement. Jesus was taken by this this widow woman's willingness to sacrifice. She, the, the word says she gave extravagantly. Jesus changes the scale of measurement. You need to understand what's happening. This little lady brings two cents and drops them in the offering plate. Do you recognize how insignificant her offering really was? Do you recognize that most likely the church that she was attending would have never even bothered to mail her a contribution statement because her contribution statement was so small that the stamp to mail the letter uh, that was... She would, have, she would have never, ever been invited to like the special meetings that churches sometimes do for the the, the big donors y'all know I, we, we don't do that around here much I don't, I don't guess we've ever done that but there are some situations in churches where the donors give so much at such such a level that they do special meetings she would have never made the list but Jesus reveals that the truth is that it catch this tell your neighbor to catch this Come on, bump them. Say, you got to catch this. You're gonna, if you miss this, you're going to miss the whole deal. Catch this. He reveals that in his kingdom, it really isn't about the amount. It's about the cost associated with the amount. I need you to understand, this little lady gave so much that she felt it. That's pretty significant. Because your neighbor, some of you have some neighbors sitting next to you right now that never give until they feel it. I'll come back to that. Y'all didn't like that. I'm going to say it again here in a minute, so just hang on. I'm just giving you a preview. She gave to the degree that, check this out, not only did she feel it, God noticed it. Wow. I recognize that Many of us give until we feel it, and we even, according to this scripture, there were people in the church that gave so that other people would notice. Y'all ain't never done that. Y'all, ain't, I know y'all like holy glow in the dark, but I just need to testify my story. My story is that when I was about 10 or 11 years old, maybe 12, uh, I got $6 or $7 somehow. I don't even remember how I got it. And so I went and cashed it all in in pennies because at my church, when they would bring the offering plate around, it was metal. And so I made a big show on that Sunday. I, I dumped like seven. Here it comes. They're passing along and kaboom. Because I wanted other people to notice that Steve, we, some of us give to that level. 
But when was the last time your neighbor gave and sacrificed to the degree that Jesus literally sets up, notices it, and points it out? See, I, I believe that for us, most of us, our neighbors, for our neighbors, for our neighbors now, not for you, for your neighbor, for most of us, our neighbors, pain and giving is a foreign concept and sacrifice is totally and completely avoided. There's an account in the Old Testament. David apparently had the same heart that the widow had, even though David was much more wealthy in possessions and much more well-off. He's the king. He has all provisions at his disposal. He needs to make an offering to the Lord. And the individual he's talking to says, Buddy, you're the king. Here's the land. Take it. Just just annex it. You're the king. You can just say, it's mine and it's yours. Here are the oxen. There's oxen already there. Just take them. They're yours. You can just you can just give the command, the decree, and it all belongs to you. And David responds and said, listen, I'm not going to call something a sacrifice if it doesn't cost me something. May I say to your neighbor that if what you give isn't missed, and if what you give is just a duty, and if what you give is just a line item that you budget for, then you can call it tithe, and you can call it offering, but you cannot call it a sacrifice. David refuses to call something a sacrifice when it really wasn't. And I wonder how many of our neighbors act like what they give as a sacrifice when the truth is, is it really caused them no pain. The truth is, is it wasn't missed, it wasn't felt, and there was no true impact. What it really was was just a very poor tip. Talk about your neighbor. Let's be honest this morning. There are some of you that are near a neighbor right now who give incredible amounts of money and they never feel it. And there are some of you sitting next to neighbors who give very little in comparison, but the level of sacrifice is so great that Jesus is amazed at their giving level. That's where we want to get to. I mean, that's where you want your neighbor to get to. Jesus was not impressed or applauding the amount of money this little lady gave. What he was doing was he was applauding and he was impressed with the percentage she gave. If, if your neighbor is going to become the full disciple that Christ wants them to become and they're going to experience a climate change that even impacts their possessions and their money, then they are going to have to start operating on a different scale of measurement and recognize that Jesus is impressed and Jesus is moved and Jesus pays attention to sacrifice. The second thing I recognize out of this account is that this little lady was extremely wealthy in trust. This passage uh, interests me. It's kind of troubling because when you read it, it says that Jesus sat and watched where he could see, he watched how people gave. <laughs> Are y'all as nervous as I am right now? That means when the offering bucket goes by, Jesus is watching. Ooh, 
don't like that. But that's what he was doing. Go back and read it for yourself. He positioned himself so that he could watch how they gave. But notice he didn't say it didn't say he watched how he was there to watch how much they gave. It says he was there to watch how they gave. And although attention is given to the amount, it was really about the how they gave that rather than the how much they gave. And this little widow shines because of her how. I just want to say to you this morning, no, I mean, I want to say to your neighbor this morning that, that that's really the crux of your ma- the, the matter because it, your, your neighbor's issue isn't how much, it's how. How do they give? Do they give willingly? Do they give reluctantly? Do they give grudgingly? Money reveals our neighbor's attitude and our neighbor's motivation and our neighbor's heart. Some of your neighbors who are giving the most in dollar amounts are giving the least in the eyes of Jesus because of how they give. I think we need to go back and read the story sometimes and really think about it. You need to tell your neighbor, pay attention here, notice this. The Bible says that this little lady gave all she had. And I think we gloss over that because we want some profound meaning. What is the word? Uh, let's go back. We need to go back and tear this thing apart and study it and make sure we understand because certainly there's a special meaning in there. Profound. We come to the word all in Greek and it means all. In other words, she gave till she had nothing left in reserve. It means when the, the rent came due, she didn't have any ability to pay it. It means when the kids got home after school and wanted something to eat, she has nothing left to buy her any food. It means she has no retirement to fall back on. It means she has no 401K as a safety net. It means she has no uncashed checks to replenish the supply. She gave all. And may I submit to you this morning that it wasn't the amount that got Jesus' attention. It was the incredible, incredible level of trust she exhibited when she gave. In fact, I want to make a statement here that you need to get. No, your neighbor needs to get this. Bump your neighbor say, get this statement right here. Don't miss this. She literally gives, catch this, she literally gives to the point that unless God is who he says he is, she will die. She literally left the temple penniless. But she was filthy rich when it came to trust. What this little lady gave was directly proportional to her trust level. Word. May I say to your neighbor this morning that I am convinced that An unwillingness to give is a trust gap, not a financial gap. I think I'm going to say that again because your neighbor missed it. I am convinced that our unwillingness to give is a trust gap, not a financial gap. Because although your neighbor may say on a regular basis, I can't afford to give financially, it's really about their level of trust and has nothing to do with their level of earning. When we refuse to give money, it isn't about money, it is about trust. Most people exhibit some degree of generosity towards those institutions and causes they trust. So then if we are unwilling, I mean your neighbor is unwilling to contribute to God's kingdom, then what it reveals is that we really don't trust the owner of the kingdom. 
See, some of you are sitting next to people right now who on the external indications, by external indications, they know and they love and they trust God to high levels, but what they give reveals differently. In fact, what we're going to do as we end the service today is we've printed off all the contribution sheets from this year, and we're going to, instead of me giving you yours, I'm going to give you somebody else's so you can find out where everybody's, no, I'm not, just just playing, kidding, that was a joke. Some of y'all got really nervous because you have a trust issue. I didn't do that to the first crowd. Maybe I shouldn't have done that to y'all. Some of y'all are like having a heart attack. There are people in here that come every week who really don't trust God at all. In fact, what they have really done is they've made money their God because what they really trust is their money. And one of the areas of your neighbor's life that reveals their trust level with God more than how they trust God with their relationships or how they trust God with their work or how they trust God with their kids, what reveals it the most is how they handle their money. Some of our neighbors never really have to trust God because they never place themselves in a situation where they have to trust him to be who he says he is. Some of you will never... No, some of your neighbors will never experience God as Jehovah Jireh, their provider, because they don't trust him and they've taken matters into their own hands. And so they don't, they will never see God come through in the area of their finances because they trust their own ability, they trust their own job, they trust their own retirement plan, they trust their own savings account, and they think they're smarter than God. And what we do is we watch them, and on the outside it looks blessed, but the truth is, is even though they've got a nice house and a nice car and nice clothes, even though they're calling themselves blessed, according to what God says, they're actually living cursed. And if your neighbor would learn to trust God, if they're as, quote, blessed as they are right now while they're living in disobedience, just think at what level they would find themselves blessed if they obeyed. Here's my issue. Your neighbor sings, we don't sing this song, I don't guess ever, but we know it. I surrender all, and we never do. We, we, we sing songs like we sang this, this morning, I, I, I lay my all at your feet, but we refuse to trust him with our all. And here is the truth. When your neighbor refuses to tithe, which is kindergarten, and refuses to give offerings, they are literally making a statement about how much they really believe God because apparently they don't believe in His Word and they don't believe His promises or in His ability to provide. Therefore, what happens out of that is if you don't trust God in that area of... If they don't trust God in that area of their life, then what they've done is they've made money their God. It's idolatry. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, he ain't talking about me, he's talking about you. Because some of y'all getting nervous. If we want God to help our neighbor with their money, then they are going to have to learn to sacrifice and trust to the degree that they actually believe that he is who he says he is. Jesus sees this little lady and is literally dumbfounded by her trust level. And he calls his boys over. Come on over here, boys. Look at this. 
and they write it down, they record it, and it has, stand, it has stood the test of time to teach us, to teach our neighbor that when it came, comes to the kingdom of God, his word is true. And that it really comes down to whether or not we're willing to sacrifice and whether we really trust God. This is not a money issue that we have. I just need to be straight up and honest with you. Tell you that more blessing will never come until we learn to sacrifice and trust. And I am tired. I am really tired of your neighbor saying, I can't afford it. And I watched your neighbor struggle and struggle and struggle and struggle and struggle and say, I can't afford it. You can't afford not to. You cannot afford not to. Because while you're doing it on your own and you're struggling, you're doing it on your own. And if you would ever get God in the mix, and I'm tired of us lying. I'm tired of, our, I'm tired of your neighbor. I'm just going to say it blunt. I'm tired of your neighbor lying. I can't afford it. Really? She's got the new iPhone 6. The old one that you just had like uh, for six months worked. What was wrong with it? We're, we're, we are crazy. We are so rich we're crazy. Like, we, we, we are so rich that we sell our stuff on the side of the road to other rich people so we can make more room for stuff that we don't even need. We're so rich that we have, like, clothes for work and clothes for church and clothes for play. Y'all know not everybody in the world has that, right? Some people only have one set of clothes. They wear it to all of it. We're so rich that we, this is crazy, we'll take a car that works, gets us from point A to B, and we will dr- we're crazy rich. We will, not you, your neighbor. You, they'll pull it onto a dealership parking lot and leave their car and some of their money to get another vehicle that takes them from point A to B. But we have fun. I can't afford it. It's a trust issue. It's a trust issue. It's the fact that giving until it hurts us and gets God's attention is so foreign to us that we want to give God what's left over instead of giving God what's first, first fruits, first fruits. What we do with the first fruits has harvest implications for the rest of it. Some of y'all were taught that as teens and children and you've gotten away from it because you don't trust God. like harder on y'all. I don't know. I don't know why I'm harder on y'all than a first service. I don't know. I just feel this thing because I'm tired of watching you be cursed. So I think this is how we're going to end this morning. I'll get out of your way because some of you are nervous, although I wasn't talking about you. I think what we ought to do is pray for our neighbor. We need to pray for our neighbor's sacrifice level to increase. We need to pray for our level, our, our neighbor's level of trust to increase. We need to pray for them because I, I don't know about you, but I want my neighbor blessed. I do. I want my neighbor blessed. But I also recognize that in order for my neighbor to be blessed, they got to trust and obey. Come on. Y'all know blessing follows obedience, right? Because let's go to your house. If your kids don't obey... Okay, we won't go there. Then we get upset because God doesn't bless us because and we're not obeying. So we just need to pray. Lay your hand on your neighbor because I wasn't preaching to you. Father, this morning, 
I sincerely want to see my neighbor blessed. I don't like seeing my neighbor struggle. I don't like my na- seeing my neighbor stressed out. I don't like seeing my neighbor's relationships falter because of money. I really do want to see my neighbor blessed. So, Father, this morning I pray specifically that you would help my neighbor learn that it's not about the amount, it's about the percentage. And I pray that they would begin to examine, really examine their own finances. And I pray that you'd teach them a new level of sacrifice. God, for whatever reasons they've been giving, whether it's been duty, whether it's been obligation, whether it's been grudgingly, I just pray that you'd change the how of their life and they would begin to give willingly so that you can bless them. Father, I pray this morning that you would you would increase my neighbor's trust level. And I pray that they would take money off the throne of their life and they would put their trust back in you and that they would learn that they can trust you. Your word says that the righteous will never go begging for bread. They, they'll never be forsaken. Your word says that you are the provider. Your word says that you watch over us. Your word says that you can bless us that you own all the cattle on a thousand hills. So, Father, we take you at your word. We call you who you are. You're our provider. So, Father, I pray that my trust level would rise, that my neighbor's trust level would rise. They would begin to actually trust who you say you are. And, Father, I pray that you would close not a financial gap because the truth is they probably don't have one. I pray that you would trust, close the trust gap. They would begin to actually believe you and when they begin to believe you the other aspects of their life would fall in line including but not limited to their checkbook I pray for a climate change in our giving I pray that we would give cheerfully hilariously we wouldn't give to give get anybody else's attention but yours we would give for the right reasons because we trust you if I can trust you with my marriage and I can trust you with my kids and I can trust you with my job then surely surely I can trust you with my finances I pray that we would line up and become obedient to what you've called us to do so that we can quit calling cursed blessed begin to see real blessing in our lives. Help our neighbors today, Father. I ask you to do this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, touch your neighbor say, He was preaching to you today. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.